Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. you know, the really negative messaging that we were getting was actually from other people in our lives. We just never mentioned our mother again, just as though she'd never existed. And so for me, you know, being a young adolescent, you know, I was still learning, you know, sort of the basics of being a woman. How do you dress? You know, how do you comport yourself? You know, how do you date? I, I became basically self-taught. What you're about to hear are two unscripted sessions with a grief therapist and a psychic medium. Neither Claire nor Fleur had any contact with the participants before their sessions. They were screened by me, Elizabeth, one of the producers of the podcast, in order to preserve the integrity of a psychic reading. Absolutely no information was given to Fleur before their psychic session. Just a quick note about the audio in this episode. Because of the coronavirus and having to record from home, we are experiencing a few technical difficulties. This is Moving Beyond the Podcast. My name is Fleur. I've been working as a psychic medium for over 10 years. I have sat in front of 15,000 people to give them readings. I connect people here in the physical world to something they can't see, to their loved ones on the other side. And that, to some people, is a really spooky, crazy experience, but to me, it's my everyday life. And I find that many people come to see me for a variety of reasons, either curiosity, wanting to see if it's real, or the deeper layers of grief, closure, healing, a way forward. A question that plagues people over and over again after a loss is, is my loved one really gone? I think mediumship can be an incredibly powerful tool towards healing, but it certainly is not the only one. I often send my clients to grief therapists afterwards, but I was thrilled a few years ago when I started hearing from my clients that doctors and psychiatrists and therapists were referring me. 
that was crazy to me. I always thought psychic mediumship was super taboo and super weird, and how could a doctor possibly recommend something so out there? But I was thrilled that people started to see that it's a real healing modality. One of these people was Claire Bidwell-Smith, a grief therapist, and she is also the author of three books on grief. I lost both of my parents by the time I was 25 years old, and it was a really deep and humbling experience, and it's what propelled me into this field. Whenever I tell people what I do, they usually take a step back and shake their heads. I think they imagine that it's really depressing and heavy, but it's not like that at all. Yes, it can be sad, it really can, but mostly it's beautiful and uplifting and I find myself reminded every day about what makes humanity so special. We work in very different ways. She is a grief therapist, I'm a medium. But we see people at the same point of life. We find them in moments where they are at deep loss, grieving, not able to move forward, have questions that they can't seem to move past. Where are they now? Can they see us? Can we still communicate with them? The first time a client told me that they'd been to see a psychic medium, I was a little baffled about how to respond. I'd never seen one myself, and I felt really skeptical about the idea. I saw over a dozen psychic mediums in that time period. And no matter how good the medium was, I still found myself wondering if it was real. After a while, though, I stopped caring if it was real, and I finally decided that what was more important was how it made people feel. A good session with a psychic medium can turn things around for someone who is lost in their grief. I've seen it time and time again. I could have a client who was completely stuck, like doing all the right things, allowing themselves to grieve, working through their emotions, reviewing their relationship with the person they lost, going to grief groups, making amends, you name it. But still, they'd be stuck about something that happened with the death or some unresolved aspect of their relationship. And after a good mediumship reading, they would come away with a completely new understanding. They'd come away with a feeling of connection to their loved one, and often a bit of closure. We wanted to share that experience with you, give you the opportunity to be a fly on the wall in the grief therapy session, where someone is able to express and explore how their grief has shaped their current life. And then we transport you to a mediumship reading a moment where you get to listen in on what a reading is and does and some of the answers that people can receive and do receive. We hope that some of the information that arises can help you too. No matter where you are in your stage of grief or loss or curiosity about the things we can't always see. Today I'm meeting with Carrie. I know she's lost both of her parents at an early age, which is something I understand really well myself because the same thing happened to me. I'm really looking forward to my time with her and hearing about her story. My name is Carrie, and I live between the Rocky Mountains and the East Coast. I have my feet in both places. Both of my parents died of cancer, my mom 20 years ago, and my dad in the past couple of years. 
Um, and I have been very grief stricken since my father's death. There's been a lot of turmoil in my life. And I hope through the sessions with Claire and Fleur that I'll be able to reconnect to my parents to move forward. Hi, Carrie. This is Claire Bidwell-Smith. Hi, Claire. It's wonderful to hear from you. And so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, it is such a pleasure, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah. I'd love to start by just having you tell me about your story of loss. Yeah, so I have a long story of loss um, that dates back, actually, to when I was in kindergarten. Mm. So my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was six years old, and then I have two brothers. She battled the disease for eight years, um, and she died of breast cancer in 2000 when I was 14 and just finishing up middle school. Mm. Having you know this vibrant 40-year-old um, whom everyone loved and you know was you know so successful in every area of her life, having her hit with late-stage breast cancer, um, you know, shocked everyone we knew. Mm-hmm. At that time, you know, there were not good resources for children who'd experienced loss. And in many ways, my brothers and me were all in different situations. You know, I was a female who had just lost her mother. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a large extended family. I lost my female role model. And then my older brother with intellectual disabilities, my mother had been his primary advocate. We were very fortunate in that we had an amazing father who was, you know, again, loved by everyone who knew him. And he raised us. When my mom had died, it was really as though she disappeared. She was almost never spoken of again, Mm. um, either within the family, but even particularly outside of the family. So my dad, you know, had this outsized sort of burden as a parent. But as I said, he was amazing. Um, so he raised us. He guided us through various hurdles and challenges. He was there for all of our celebrations. I was working as a human rights advocate. I was heading to a meeting at the United Nations in New York, and I was transiting through D.C., which is where I'm from, and I wanted to spend the weekend with him. He was at the baggage claim. He was turned away from me. And somehow even though I'd only seen him a couple months earlier, you know, somehow he looked different to me. There was sort of this palpably different kind of sense in the air. Um, And he turned around and he told me that he had a tumor on his pancreas. Um, So from that point, we were off to the races with someone who had never had any health problems. He'd never had a cavity. He'd never had acne. You know, he had only been in the hospital when he was born. And so the diagnosis was, you know, just like a hit across the chest. Mm. I remember just, I, I was rendered speechless. I I had nothing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, started the process of finding him the right medical care. And at each physician we went to, you know, the, the story became more and more dire. 
Let me stop you for one sec. Yeah. When when your dad was diagnosed and, and, and you realized that it was very serious, did your grief come up from your mom? How were you feeling? What were you thinking? Well, it's, it's interesting because it, one would think it might, but the news was so shocking. We sort of entered problem solving in action mode as a family. His CT scans were some of the worst that his oncologist had ever seen mm. in their 30 or 40 years career. But what was interesting was I think in the in the case of our mom, we were so young when she died of cancer and you know had such a little understanding of how that affected our lives and continues to affect our lives that in some ways our father's experience seemed very separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. So what has your grief been like since your father died? It's been a, ch- a challenge to even have the opportunity to grieve. We sort of missed the opportunity to grieve our mother because we were too young and we didn't have the type of grief support that we needed because Mm -hmm. for the most part, it didn't really exist 20 years ago for children. Um, And then with our dad, we suddenly found ourselves in the middle of disentangling and settling a very complicated estate. Um, So the emotional and spiritual side of the experience went to the side um, and we were, you know, stuck with probate deadlines and all of those responsibilities. Yeah. I think that um, grief can be really painful and really scary and overwhelming at times and that there are lots of ways to kind of avoid it. And one of the things that definitely keeps us busy is all of that busy work that has to happen to clean up a person's life after they are gone. You know, all the paperwork, all the, just the logistics that go into it. But sometimes we end up being able to avoid the grief process for a while because of those tasks, you know? And I think that really finding ways to make space for your grief and to create space for it, to find out, you know, what it looks like, what it feels like, um, what it's asking of you is really important, you know? When you were a teenager, you know, you weren't developmentally capable of fully grieving. Um, We just aren't. We're not emotionally mature enough in in our teens, even sometimes in our early 20s. So a lot of the time um, when we lose somebody at that point in life, we have to come back to the grief um, when we're older, 30, 40, 50 even, and kind of do some re-grieving or grieving for the first time. But yours is a a little bit even more compounded because of the messages you received about not talking about your mom anymore. And, you know, within that message is the message of kind of not grieving as well. So I'm wondering if there's a a kind of a backlog of grief that you have going, that it would be really helpful to kind of find a safe way in which to open it up and explore it. I think that's certainly the case. You know, the really negative messaging that we were getting was actually from other people in our lives who just never mentioned our mother again, just as though she'd never existed. It's amazing, Um, isn't it? There's like this shroud of silence that goes down around it all. Exactly. And so for me, you know, being a young adolescent, you know, I was still learning, you know, sort of the basics of being a woman, you know, even learning how to approach that grief and what we lost is itself a huge hurdle. It's a challenge. It definitely is. What are you hoping to hear from him when you meet with Fleur? You know, I'm not someone who has any experience with mediums. I've never explored the spiritual side of loss. 
I have channeled my efforts into advocacy around the Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. around the importance of end of life and palliative care. Mm. I would love just to know that he's here. We, we've seen signs of him in a way. And my brother and I both independently have seen signs that we've interpreted the exact same way mm. without even talking to each other. But we've just, we felt really lost and we felt really unmoored. And we found ourselves at the time, you know, I was just over 30 and my brother was in his late 20s. We don't have extended families, I said, so we don't have those role models. We found ourselves being, you know, kind of the matriarch and the patriarch of our family that mm -hmm. we were trying to rebuild. We would just, you know, love to hear that he's with us. Going back to this idea that 20 years ago, there wasn't as much going on in the grief world as there is now. One of the things that's really shifted as well is that 20, 30 years ago in the grief world, the emphasis was really on moving on and letting go when, when we lost someone. And now we've really kind of turned that around and realized that what's most helpful to people when they go through a significant loss is to find ways to stay connected to that person, find ways to create an internal relationship or a spiritual one um, with the person they've lost, because that that feels more congruent with who we are and our relationship with them, rather than just kind of trying to erase them from our lives altogether. So is there something that you could hear from your father, or is there some way that you could find a new connection to him that would be meaningful to you? I think that I've tried to create that connection, but that the situation has been too raw. So just this past summer, I, I cleaned out the family home, um, which was a Herculean task because we, you know, accumulated stuff from the late 80s when my parents had moved in as newlyweds with young children. And so, you know, I tried to create a connection in a very tangible way, mm -hmm. you know, keeping items with his handwriting on it, keeping a, a tattered sweatshirt that he used to use to play baseball in, you know, in D.C. Hmm. back in the 70s. It's, there's been a challenge because you don't want to be surrounded by stuff and carrying someone's life forward in that way. Mm -hmm. because That may not be the best way to honor them. We just want to know that he is with us. It would be so helpful for us to know that he still supports us in the same way, yeah. even if he's not physically here. Yeah. It's hard to kind of drum that up on our own and feel it. It's it's one of the reasons I love working with psychic mediums or sending clients to psychic mediums because I feel like that validation from an outside source, you know, we can kind of imagine to ourselves that they're here or connected to us or watching us, but like really getting those details and hearing it from someone else is powerful. Um, and I think gives us something to hold on to. What do you think it would be like to connect with your mom after all this time? That would be, you know, a truly almost going to say sort of ineffable, almost hard to describe, difficult to describe experience because, you know, she stopped being a part of our lives after she died. I still actually wear some of her jewelry and I've had people tell me that I remind them of her and I've actually just reconnected after 30 years with one of her friends from decades ago. It's almost difficult for us to even hear her voice. Yeah. And so in some ways I can envision my father coming through much more strongly. Yeah. How do you think she would want you to feel about her or connect to her or hold on to her? I think that she would want us to remember her as she was before she got sick. You know, my sense is that the love is still there. And after my experience with my father, I think because we felt that he's still here, we suspect that she's still here too. Yeah. But we'd never, we'd never been able to explore that. We never even considered it back 20 years ago. Hmm. 
No, I know. I understand the the way it was then. And it is beautiful that it's changed so much. I think for you, um, really kind of recognizing that has been important. And it's it's clear that you understand, you know, the kind of messages you received about it and, and how how much your father did for all of you and and how he was grieving for himself, you know, so deeply at the time. I think finding some way to hold space for both of them, you know, and open up to your grief with your mom and your relationship with her at the same time, and maybe even using your dad, your, your feelings of grief for your dad as a way, as an in, you know, with your mom, really being able to recognize now what it means to grieve and what it feels like to grieve and feels like to say goodbye and to hold that space within your life now for someone. Exactly. We just, we're not capable of doing that at the time. And so the way that the grief manifested was just that we felt lost. And it affected our ability to form relationships that were lasting with other people because we we constantly expected them to disappear. It affected our ability to trust. I wonder if truly grieving would actually help us get recentered. I think it would. You know, I think that grief really kind of breaks us open in really beautiful ways and shows us kind of that inner strength. And how would you recommend that we even open up that grief or step into that grief? I think there's lots of ways to create space for grief. You know, I have some clients who have been through similar experiences where they've had a lot to do and take care of in the in the wake of loss. And so for them, it's been important to really just kind of actually make time to grieve, whether that's sitting down and lighting a candle and playing some music that, you know, makes you feel emotional or looking through old photos or writing a letter to your dad or your mom, or just really kind of talking about it, like really stepping into it, opening that up. A lot of the time we don't do those things, you know, we kind of keep keep everything at bay. We keep everything kind of buttoned up. So really spending an evening or a morning or meditating or doing some visualizations of connecting with them, I think can be really powerful and open up that space. And they're emotional, you know? I write a letter to my mother every year on on the day she died. And I always think it's going to be fine. It's not a big deal. I'm going to sit down this year and write it. The second I put that pen to paper and write, dear mom, you know, it just opens it all up for me. And and in a healthy way, you know, that I need to, I need to access and I need to let out an air. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think we could start by doing that with our dad much mm-hmm. more easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. He only died a couple of years ago. And with our mom, it, it would be like catching her up on 20 years. Yeah, I understand that. So I think, yeah, for you, I think you should start with your dad and you should, you know, because his loss is, is more recent too, there's there's more of the um, opportunity to continue keeping that connection open, you know, rather than having to reforge it like you would have to do with your mom. Doing some work to continue keeping that connection, to create an internal relationship with him, to explore the spiritual side of your life with him, and to grieve, to really grieve. Um, And then at some point, when you have become more comfortable in that area and done some healing around it, I don't think it's ever too late to go back and do the same with your mom. You know, it will be powerful and profound, but I do think that your impulse is right to start with your dad. Definitely. And I had never framed it that way for myself. We often even just tell people that we're fatherless and leave our mom out of the equation. And Mm -hmm. I I think that just reflects kind of the the untapped grief there and the enormity of the loss. In some ways, we'll probably never wrap our heads around, but I like your suggestions, you know, for starting to open that door at least. Yeah. 
um, because I think that that healing will benefit us in our relationship. It really will. It'll benefit you throughout the rest of your life because these losses will stay with you through through the rest of your life. And so doing this healing work will, you know, continue to heal all those different milestones that you're going to keep hitting through your life without them there. Well, I hope that your session with Flora is illuminating and that there's some interesting stuff that comes from it, but also that it's healing and starts to open up that door and that sense of connection to your parents again. I am so excited to talk to her. As I said, I've never explored mediumship. I know very little. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. I'm really looking forward to hearing how it turns out with Fleur. It was great to talk to you too, Fleur. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. I've just finished my time with Carrie, and my biggest takeaway is just this reminder that we can so easily avoid our grief. We can compartmentalize, we can run away from it, and the thing about it is that it doesn't go anywhere. So I think for her, I'm really hoping that she can make space for it and find ways to reconnect with both of her parents. I think it will be so healing for her grief journey. I'm ready for my reading with Carrie this morning. For me to do a reading, I need to be in a very grounded mental space. And this morning I got there by meditating, doing some breathing exercises, and I feel ready to make that connection. I give Carrie a call to start our reading. Hi Carrie, this is Fleur. Thank you so much for joining me today. Have you ever had any kind of reading before, any kind of experience with this? None whatsoever. Yeah, totally blank slate. Okay, fantastic. So I'm going to explain a little bit about how it works, what to expect, and then we'll just jump right in. Okay. So I'll start to see, feel, hear, and know. Some of that, their memories. Some of that is things I'm just aware of about them, almost like if you were to meet someone for the first time, there are things that you're just going to be aware of, what they maybe look like or something that just is like, oh yeah, I noticed that about them. Um, Other things will be kind of given to me in a conversational way. And as I'm giving you the information, I just need a yes or a no from you. Okay. Or no, I don't. That's it. Just a yes or a no. Okay. Okay. So first energy I have coming in here on my left, she actually feels like mom to you. So would you see your mother to be on the spirit side? Yes. So just initially as your mother comes in, I do see you preparing with her for her passing. So there's just the acknowledgement of being by her side, being involved, knowing she's going to go. Do you see that? This doesn't feel unexpected. Yes, totally. And there's also the feeling where she shows me her losing what looks like her hair, or there's very much the feeling of no longer having hair. Do you see that as well? Yes. And wanting to acknowledge that she doesn't certainly doesn't look like that in her spiritual form. But the experience that she gives of her passing, I would say, very much indicates cancer to me. Do you see? Yes. And then she acknowledges the three with her around the time of her passing. The three I leave behind. Yes. And there's deep love for those three and a real feeling of those three walk me from this world to the next. You understand that? Yes. I want to also acknowledge her to have quite a fun sense of fashion actually, as she comes in as well. Like I feel like I'm somebody who likes to 
kind of explore with my clothes or kind of really find self-expression with how I wear things and what I wear. Do you see that? Yeah. And she's also bringing me to jewelry, of course, but in particular earrings. So there's just the feeling of earrings as well that I need to talk about. I do have all of her earrings. Because it feels to me like you get the jewelry. Do you see? You don't have to share it. Exactly. (laughs) You get all of it. Yep. There's a brother of yours. You see this? Yes. Would you see your mom have been pregnant three times? Yes, she was pregnant three times. There's the acknowledgement of three pregnancies. Um. One of these pregnancies feels particularly difficult, and there's a lot of grief in that pregnancy. Do you, do you see that? Yeah. It feels like as I bring a third child into the world, one it's got a lot of grief attached to it. My brother, who's older than me, um, has severe intellectual disabilities. She's just wanting to acknowledge that, that she also wants to reach out two there's the acknowledgement that he's actually doing quite well she's making me feel like things are going well for him right now so she's really making me feel like you've been quite proud to see that yeah okay um now with your mother do you also see that she would have suffered from a lot of stomach pain before her passing and that the stomach feels incredibly tender do you see that yeah so she Wanting to acknowledge you really seeing that and being witness to it. And there's this real need to acknowledge for you that she's not sick any longer, which I think we can all consume logically, but she really needs to acknowledge it for you. Part of that is because she's recognizing in the dream state, you to have have at times actually seen her or interacted with her from a position where she's still ill. Do you see that? Yeah, almost exclusively when she's ill. She yeah. comes to visit you, and I think from what she's showing me, it's been very confusing for you because when she comes to visit you in your dreams, you see her as not well. Exactly. Yeah, I see and, her very sick with cancer. Yeah. And she's like, it's, it's because your brain is trying to make sense of it. It's like, I am coming to visit you, but your brain is spitting out the image, trying to understand it. And sometimes the dream state is really difficult in terms of connectioning because our brain does that, right? There's such a crazy component of the dream state in there. But I know that she really, really needs you to know I am no longer sick, even though it may feel that way because that is the only interaction that we've had after my passing. Yes. Oh, and I think your dad's actually passed with her. Do you see this? Yes. But had not been at the time. No, no. And I know that the dynamic is actually one in which I see your dad really involved with your mom during this time. So the two do look like they are a team. Do you see? Yes. I'm going to stick with your mom for just a little bit longer. Your dad's certainly in the background there. And there's such a sweet bond between the two of them. And I feel like that would have been the case in the world as well. It does feel to me that your mom is really adamant that her children get the opportunity to choose whether or not they want to be part of the last bit of her life. Do you see that? Yes. It doesn't feel like you're withheld from that, even though you're young. There's the sense of being really involved. There's kids on a bed at one point. Yes, definitely. And it 
feels so wonderful. She's just wanting to acknowledge that there was no sweeter way, I think, to leave the world than to have this sense of children touching me. Because it also feels like she's also acknowledging that as children, there was a moment where you weren't allowed near her. And that must have been because of the immune system or some sort of separation. And then there's a reunion towards the end. And I actually get to hold you and I get to be with you. And there's such a beauty in that. And she really wants you to know how much help it was in order to cross. Yes. Um, This is quite random, but I keep seeing a bird feeder. And I keep seeing a red robin. Very random. Do you get robins where you live? We do, yeah. Okay. Have you seen red robins and kind of had a connection there? She would always, my mom would always point out red robins and she had a bird feeder, and but we took it down after she died. When you need her to be near, when you need her to be connected, it feels to me like the red robin will show up. She does feel like she has a vocation in life and there is just this sense of wanting to be a part of a working society in that way. And very much gives me this feeling of that 90s businesswoman, the sense of I'm going to have the kids, but I'm also going to have the career and this is just a temporary break. Very much so, yeah. And the cancer, it actually prevented her from going back to work. She is really proud of you because you have a similar career ambition in you and she's watching you grow and she's actually making you, uh, she's showing me that you're in between jobs. So there's, there's the sense of she's wanting you to know that it's going to be temporary not to worry about it and that a better next thing is coming. But you yourself have big career ambition, want big things and she is your biggest cheerleader. And it feels particularly necessary for you to hear that right now. Do, do you see this? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Your mom actually speaks about herself as with two degrees. Yes. Um, she's, a, she's a very intelligent. She gets a higher degree. Do you see? Yes. Within her family, it looks like she was the highest educated and broke a ceiling. Do you see that? Yes. It's like she went on to do that master's in a way that the rest of the family had never done before. Exactly. Yeah. So even though it's ahead of your time, it is one of her most proud accomplishments because she loved being a mom, but she really finds it necessary to also indicate to me that she was multifaceted. Do you know? Yes. It feels really important to her that I know that she exceeded the expectations around education within her family and that she actually I feel got a lot of pushback for some time where I'm just seeing like people didn't think she would finish um and that there is just the the feeling of of a big big congratulations around that yeah she was one of the first women in her cohort um and I think her father was also pushing back against her a bit from what I understand yeah, that, that, it feels like this big victory. There's an engineering kind of mind around her. Yeah, she, she studied math. She keeps showing you writing. And yeah. there's a big emphasis on you being a writer. Do you see that? Yes, definitely. And I 
just feel like she's read all of your work because the work that comes out into the world, the work that gets published, because I do see that you've been published in the past, feels like it all shows up in your life after her passing. Exactly. And she just wants you to know she's read every piece. She's read every word. She's with you as you write it. She's with you as you get the recognition. And she just wants you to know there's a big career for you here. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, One last thing. She shows me a cassette player. And then she talks about her voice being recorded on cassette tapes. Do you know this? Yes. um, She studied Russian and French. And so we have recordings of her practicing. um, Okay. On cassette. (laughs) On cassette. And she's making me feel like people have played back these cassettes. We have. Yeah. And still actually have a cassette player in order to listen to it because it hasn't been changed onto a different medium. Exactly. Yep. We just have a box of cassettes. She loves it. She just thinks that it's fantastic that her voice continues on in that way. Okay. Now, I would say you and your siblings all have a really beautiful bond, actually. She places all three of you really connected. Definitely, yes. And is really grateful for that. It makes me feel like you have a big hand in that kind of keep people accountable to connecting. Yeah. So she wants to thank you for being the glue. Okay. So your dad comes in here as well. I know your mom's been passed for quite a long time. Your father is much more recent. Do you yes. see that? Mm-hmm. He got, he goes on to live without her for quite some time. Yes. Is my feeling. And I do feel that the two of them are together now. I do see them coming in with deep, deep love for each other. And I want to acknowledge that you actually get to be involved in the caretaking for your father in the way that your father was involved with the caretaking for your mother. Yes. Yeah. I was very heavily involved. Do you see your dad to be a little lanky? He is. Yeah. You know, like tall and lanky. There's just the feeling of not being a big man. I feel slender. Exactly. Very slender. Sort of like a cross-country runner or something like that. Yeah. Yes. And that's how he kind of presents himself to me as he comes in. I also actually see just this huge smile about him. And I know that as he comes in, there's such an emphasis placed on family for him. This is really a family-driven man. I feel like all of my attention is placed on the family and is really grateful to have had the three of you have the three of you. I know all of this to be very, very important. Yes. Do you see him to have a lopsided smile where one of the corners goes up a lot more than the other? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say that his man is also showing me a really deep love of just being connected to nature and going out in nature. There was a feeling of, um, that being very important to him. And then I keep seeing what looks like a lake. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because he had asked us to um, scatter his ashes by a lake in New Mexico um, that he loved when he was a child, when he was a young teenager. Mm -hmm. And we actually did not even know the lake existed uh, until he told us about it on his deathbed. Okay, yeah. He's, He's bringing me this like crystal clear image of a lake and it feels like... People will be fishing there. Okay, so keep an eye out for that. It's a fishing lake, is my feeling. Yeah. And I would also say that when he went to this lake, he must have 
had to walk to it or trek to it a little bit because it doesn't feel like you can just get there with a car. Exactly. Yeah, we were, that's one of the reasons we haven't gone. It's like 15 or 16 miles of hiking. So yeah. (laughs) And he's acknowledging that it's, yeah, you got it. You got to hike into it. You know, Um, he just wants, you know, it's going to be worth it. It feels to me that the way the lake is created it, or the, the way the lake has been formed by nature is that the sky reflects in it really beautifully. Do you know of this? Yeah. And that's actually from the reading I've done and from the pictures I've seen, that's what makes this lake so beautiful. And that oh, it reflects yeah. back everything. It's just like the, ref- you like look for the reflection. I feel in my heart, like he knows you're going to go do it. He just wants, you know, he's going to be part of it. Um, there's no rush on it on his end. He just feels like it will happen and he knows that it will happen. Okay. Let's take a look here. Hmm. So your father feels like he was actually ill for quite some time without knowing it. That is, that's what we suspected. He didn't have any symptoms that really limited his life. Cause, but Yeah, because it feels like by the time I'm diagnosed, by the time I know I'm not well, it's really late in the game. And yeah. there's just the feeling of it's everywhere. Exactly. You know? Because I don't see a lot of other symptoms, but the bones feel really, uh, like the joints really hurt is what he's showing me at the time. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing the bone issues. Yeah, what he, would, he would have these flashes. He was completely healthy, but he would have these flashes of bone pain for years. And then it wasn't, you know, until okay. later yeah. when he got diagnosed. Looking back, he's acknowledging that the symptoms were in the bones. Um, so I would say he, in some ways, actually really quite okay with the fact that it was discovered so late because I feel like it gave him really active years. It looks to me like he was never, um, in a place where he couldn't do the things he wanted to do. He feels incredibly active. Um, so in a lot of ways, he's perfectly fine or actually in all ways, he's just perfectly fine with having discovered it later on because it doesn't look like it would have been something he wanted to go through treatments anyways. Yeah, that's um, absolutely right. Your father looks very adamant that any kind of memorial, any kind of funeral is really small. Do you see that? Yeah, he wanted us to keep it small. And in yeah. the end, we didn't even do anything sort of you know, formal. Yeah. He's wanting to say to you that that's exactly what he wanted. So there, it looks to me like there's a part of you that wonders maybe we should have done more. Yes. And he's like, let that go. This is exactly what I wanted. Okay. Exactly what I wanted. I was thinking clearly. Okay. I want to acknowledge that there is still a lot of grief that's working through you with this passing. He's very aware of that. He wants you to know that he's been walking besides you. It also feels to me that it looks like you've spent quite a bit of time in a home that used to be his. Yes. Um, a sense of living there for some time and getting things cleaned up and that that's really been your responsibility, do you see? Yes, 100%. Um, he just wants you to know he sees you in the home and wants you to know how present he is, but that he's going to be present no matter where you go. Because although I think you're going to stay here for some time, it's not ultimately where you're supposed to land. And I think you know that as well. It feels temporary. Okay, so let's 
ask your dad some questions. We can go back to your mom as well, but let's start with him. Sure. Um, I guess the basic question is, you know, will my brothers and me be okay? Will we be okay? We've we've felt very lost um, since he died and we've expressed that where I expressed that to Claire. Um, So I would love to hear his perspective. He certainly acknowledges the grief. He certainly acknowledges how big this loss is for all three. He knows that. I do want to emphasize what your mom had pointed out earlier in that the three of you are really close and the three of you are really connected to each other. So there's this sibling bond there between the three of you that make both of them have a lot of faith in the ability to move forward. It feels like all three of you are listening to each other, acknowledging the pain. No one's fighting. No one's disconnected. Yes, absolutely. They're so proud of that. And they're making me feel because of that bond, you will move forward strong and even more connected. All right, another question. So for my dad, well, as well as my mom, does he think that we handled the situation with our brother Tom well? We had worked very hard to get Tom into the right placement for him um, because my father was caring for him. And so my brother and I have wondered, it's been a huge challenge for us. If we've done this the right way, how my parents feel about it. It feels like it's well thought out. It feels like it's done in the best way possible. Um, They're also indicating with your brother, the sense that where he's at right now will change and that's okay too okay um again there's going to be somewhat of a resonance shift around him as well and that makes Um, complete sense but i do feel like where he's at right now in terms of maybe a organization or a facility but it looks like he's in good hands so they they do feel good about this and i do feel like he's actually being given really great life skills. So there's an acknowledgement of teaching and engaging, and it looks like he's actually really proud of his own progress. Exactly. Yeah, that's what he's told me. And a question for both of my parents, you know, I had, around the time of my father's death, there had been this rupture in my life for other reasons, and it resulted in a lot of lost friends and lost love. And I was Wondering if I'll regain what was lost. Absolutely. They, they're moving you forward. You're not 34 yet, right? I just turned, yeah. So basically just that age, yeah. Okay. I was going to say, at 34, love comes back into your life. So they're bringing me to the age of 34 and acknowledging that things get a lot easier at 34 that there's the opportunity for a reconnection. It's almost as if I'm seeing the light for your love life come back in, in, in that new relationships, new connections. You're turning a corner. You're also going to be entering a new residential space. Mm-hmm. And from what I'm seeing is it's 
wanting to acknowledge the sense that yes, some of those friendships will come back, but I'm seeing much more of an emphasis on new friendships forming. Okay. Also in a new location. But I have to say 34 just feels like you're turning a corner. And anything for my mom? She really wants to allow you to have this opportunity of engaging with her in a way that, that isn't so plagued by disease. And we go, I go back to those dreams, you know? Um, and so if you're open to it, I would almost suggest creating some space for yourself in which you invite her into the room and you just experience her energy. I think that would be very possible for you in a way of connecting and just inviting her and just inviting her in. And that might just even be while you're doing the dishes or doing an activity in which your mental mind isn't as discerning. Like when we're doing a task very repetitively, it allows our rational brain to be busy with something else. Yeah. So seeing if you can invite her in during times like that, where you can start to experience the energy outside of the dream world. And I guess the final question I have is, you know, how would my parents like me to honor them? Is it just in living sort of the best life day to day? Yeah, absolutely. And it feels also in the connection to your siblings. The best life and the connection to your siblings. And I think you do both. I think invite them along for the ride. Acknowledge that they're there because they are. They're really proud. Well, that makes me feel, you know, very moved. Um, because it, it's just been so difficult to live without them, and especially my father. Um, so, you know, yeah. we're, we're constantly looking for them, and it's wonderful to hear that they're here with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for letting me connect with them. They're lovely. They did a great job, so you have to thank them for me yourself. But yeah, thank you for being part of this experience and being so open, and I hope it was a good first experience for you. <laughs> It was amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I followed Claire's work for years. Um, so it was oh, yeah. such a privilege to be able to meet both of you and work with both of you. So thank you. Thank you so much, Flora. It was amazing. Take care. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. You too. My time with Carrie came to an end, and I really enjoyed my session with her. It's always a joy to work with people who are slightly skeptical about psychic mediums or who have never been to see one. And I especially love being the channel for that person's first time. It feels really special and really meaningful that they would trust me. I'm Elizabeth. I'm one of the producers of the podcast, and I just wanted to do a quick follow-up with you following your reading with Fleur. How was the reading? The reading was absolutely amazing. I went in with no expectations. I've had no past exposure to psychics or mediums, and it was incredibly moving to hear both of my parents who died of cancer come through very loudly and clearly in their own voices, sharing the type of details about their lives that only they would know or only that we as a family would know. Um, It was just, it was an incredibly emotional experience. That's so lovely. And then what was one of the best moments of the reading, do you think? So my mom died of breast cancer 20 years ago. um, And at that point I was a child and, you know, Fleur had pointed out, and this is very much true, that my memory of her is 
really stuck in her deathbed. You know, I have dreams about her being ill. Um, and so, you know, Claire was, you know, helpful in sort of assuring me that that's common based yeah. on the grief literature. Um, but Fleur told me in connecting with my mom that my mom really wanted me to know that she's fully healthy now and that she's no longer suffering and that I don't have to carry around that pain, even subconsciously. Wow, that sounds so healing and freeing. Did you expect that at all? You know, I didn't even really have the sense over the past 20 years that my mom was with me, but it was very clear in what Flora told me that she'd been with me the whole time. Um, And so I agree with you, it was profoundly healing to have that experience. Uh, That's so lovely. And then your father also came through? He did. But what I appreciated was that Fleur was able to, you know, reflect on the relationship to one another and, you know, the loving and strong bond that they have and how proud they are of my siblings and me. So it was really fascinating to hear them coming through Fleur and dialogue with one another uh, because it's been 20 years since I've heard them speak to one another. I know that when I first spoke to you, you talked a little bit about how when your mother passed away, your dad stepped into sort of the mother and the fatherly role as well. And then it also felt like your mom sort of just disappeared at that point. Was there any kind of resolution to that or was that brought up at all? Um, As I had told you when we we spoke, that really never talked of my mom again. It was as if she didn't exist. Um, But it was clear to me through Fleur that you know, my dad still was holding the space for her and was really honoring her by, you know, raising us in the best way possible and being there for us. And, you know, she had said, you know, his whole sort of energy um, that came through to her was around family and the importance of family. And then moving forward now with life, how do you think these two sessions coupled together with Claire and then followed up with a medianship reading with Fleur how do you see that helping you heal and kind of move forward? Claire thought the best way that I can heal myself is by honoring her and reconnecting with her okay. every day. And so what I love to hear through Fleur was my mom's current guidance for my life. And yeah. you know, I, I love to write and Fleur told me she's been with me, you know, through every every piece I've typed and published yeah. and um, that, you know, I need to you know, she's assertive, she's dominant, you know, she was a career woman, but I need to, you know, really take the time to invite her in, you know, whether I'm on a run or, you know, doing the dishes, doing something that doesn't engage my rational mind. Um, And, you know, I think the fact that they came through in such specific detail, you know, indicates to me that there's something larger than what we're seeing on the earth. Um, my dad, for example, um, Fleur had talked of a a lake and my dad wanted us to scatter, um, his ashes at a beautiful lake in New Mexico. It just, I feel like I'll move from kind of a mode of sadness to one of celebration. So it, it was just a very moving experience. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And we really hope this helps you move beyond your grief. Thank you. Moving Beyond is an original production produced by Elizabeth Mihelich and Fleur Lesink. You can find Claire Bidwell-Smith on her website at www.clairebidwellsmith.com 
C-L-A-I-R-E-B-I-D-W-E-L-L-S-M-I-T-H.com and Fleur at MediumFleur.com M-E-D-I-U-M-F-L-E-U-R.com If you're interested in being on a future episode of Moving Beyond, please send us an email to podcasts at mediumfleur.com P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at M-E-D-I-U-M-F-L-E-U-R dot com. Thank you again for listening to Moving Beyond, the podcast. If you'd like to take a moment, we would so appreciate it if you would rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. It helps others find the podcast so we can share healing with the world. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.